Hey guys, this ad is in partnership with HBO. The three finalists for the 2020 HBO APA Visionary short film competition have been announced. HBO Visionaries is celebrating its fourth class of emerging Asian and Pacific Islander American filmmakers, and all three Visionary 2020 shorts will be available to air live on Tuesday, September 29th on HBO and available to stream on HBO Max. Find more information about the program and official rules on www.hbovisionaries.com and keep an eye out for the opening of submissions for the 2021 competition and the opportunity to have your short film considered for HBO and HBO Max. Congratulations to the winners, to the finalists of 2020. Y'all are amazing. And seriously, if you're an aspiring filmmaker, go handle it in 2021. Good luck. I love you. Go make all the things. Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Mindy Chang, and thanks so much for tuning in for this week's episode. Hope you're doing well, hope you're staying safe and sane. And man, it has been a week. Um, thank you for all the love and messages people have been sending um, because of the last episode on being overwhelmed and burnt out with Priscilla Lian Kim, a.k.a. Priska. Thank you, Priska, for being such a great guest and literally my therapist and counselor. The really rough moment. And it was truly healing to talk with her. And then life got even more insane in my personal life right after that episode aired. So it was like a... A funny little ironic moment of peace and then, you know, 2020 strikes again, right? But um, yeah, no, I really just appreciate how open everybody's been and how supportive and uh, people have been sharing a lot. You know, this year is really freaking hard and it's just a reminder, this is not normal. This is a very intense time. It is an accumulation and a layering of all this insanity. So if you're not okay for whatever reason— I just I, I feel you. I'm there for you. I'm sending you lots of love, hugs, support. Um, and hopefully you can know that this podcast, that last episode, this episode, um, Two Horny Goats, our friends blogs that I'm about to plug, you know, through our guest this week. We're all here to to be spaces for everybody to feel seen, understood, um, a place of respite to recollect and reconnect and then you know, get up and put another foot in front of the other. It's all we can do, right? So just wanted to start this episode off with gratitude because I I just feel really, really loved and supported and um, still have felt a lot of overwhelm, but, you know, we're getting through it. So just sharing that love outwardly to all of you. And thank you guys for listening and, you know, being part of the conversation, even though I'm talking into a microphone. It's kind of a one-way combo, but um, hope you guys appreciate the sentiment because I I mean it from the bottom of my heart. So thank you all. And I am very excited for this week's episode. It is kind of a a culmination of a lot of thoughts and processes that have been happening this year and honestly, the 30-something years preceding. (laughs) So this week's guest is a wonderful, amazing, creative artist. She's a visual storyteller, a photographer, a blogger, and just honestly, like a true creative soul through and through. She is none other than my friend, Melly Lee. Melly has been making many cameos in different episodes because she's been a workout buddy and just 
a friend that has been there for me throughout this quarantine. So uh, we finally get to have our space together to talk about something she's been sharing openly on her blog uh, because she's blogging more in this quarantine life, which is called notastarvingartist.com, about learning how to like herself. And that is something I'm definitely working on and growing in. I don't feel like I'm 100% there yet. Definitely have some dips, but it's, you know, for lack of this cliche, man, it just follows me. For lack of better words, it's a journey. It really is, though, because there's going to be days when we do like ourselves and we're feeling ourselves, feeling good in our skin and confident. And there's other days it's just going to all kind of fall apart and feel like all the work went went nowhere, right? Um, so, yeah, it's a process. It's a journey. And Melly has been going through a lot of different practices and, and changes and transformations, as have I. So I'm really hoping that you guys get a lot out of it. Enjoy the episode. Share it with a friend if it speaks to you. Um, and just have more conversations about this because we can all benefit from opening up and sharing our stories and hearing about others. So thank you, Melly, for being an amazing guest. I hope you guys enjoy this episode on learning how to like yourself, learning how to like myself with Melly Lee. Enjoy. Yeah, came in 88 with a dream of so bright-eyed. They knew right away, sick of swim, there's no lifelines. Cutting the teeth on the move. Greetings, Melly. Welcome. Welcome to, welcome to first of all, Melly and her nerves. <laughs> Thank you, Gigi. I love, I love that you welcome me and my nerves. We're here. We're waiting, and yeah, you can dig into anything. Go ahead. Yeah, we are. We are your safe space. What do you remember when we recorded the other episode, the introvert one? That was like over a year ago, right? Uh, I think like at least I want to say like 2018, because that's when I got came back to the states. That is so long ago. How? That was 2018. Yeah, because I, I left I, I left I left LA in 2017. I lived abroad I, I lived abroad for about a year. Uh-huh. Came back and then we started talking about traveling first. And then I kept sending you introverted memes <laughs> that you wanted to talk about being introverted. Yeah, because I was so the the brilliance of the memes you send me are so again it's so succinct. It says everything in like an image, which is why I think like brilliant memes are so valuable. They they convey yeah. everything. But you intrigued me for sure. And I was like, I never looked at the world this way. Thank you. But this, You're welcome. this is the, um, we're also, we're investigating the compatibility of our personality types. For my, yeah, we're very compatible. We are so compatible and I love it. And basically the way I was just to bring everybody on the same page, um, what I was realizing, cause I go, I fluctuate between an ENFP and an ENFJ, but we're both like between Melly and me, we're both weirdos, but we like love each other's weirdness. That's the basic summary. It's great. I don't think I don't think we're weird. I just think everyone else needs to get on our level. Thank you. Perfectly <laughs> said. Thank you. So yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, Melly, I, I hyped you up in my intro because I adore you. And um, basically, what prompted this whole thing again to get everyone on the same page was you've been writing this dope blog that I've been consuming, and you and I've been working out so we can catch everybody up on all of that. But it's kind of this general premise of the the journey we've been going on in COVID of like accepting ourselves and like being our best selves and having this unique you know, experience of actually like really thriving in the middle of complete and utter chaos, like not being blind to the chaos, but um, yeah. And that's what I've been bonding with you with all year long. And it's been really, really great, even though the world has been a dumpster fire. 
we've actually hung out more this year than ever before. Yep. Yep. I, when people have been asking me how I'm doing, like I, I mentioned you, I mentioned our group workout. Um, so you've been a very significant part of my, of my, uh, pandemic. (laughs) So thank you for that. Oh, likewise. Likewise. You've been a great friend, a great sounding board, and it's a pleasure being stuck inside in different place. Oh my God. It's the introverts like (laughs) dream. Let us unite separately in different houses. Yes. Yes. And consciously connect when it's convenient, like it makes sense and it's comfortable and like, yes, stay away. Otherwise, no, I love it. It's good boundaries and good, uh, emotional exploration. And one of the themes, like one of the entries from your blog that I super, like I got very moved just by the title was when you were talking about learning to like yourself. So I thought that could be a good jumping off point to kind of just like dive into all the thoughts and feelings because there have been a lot. And I wanted to like, let you speak. Like, can we just talk about the Instagram thing? Cause let's go back to the beginning, shall we? Or like, yeah, let's do it. Contextualize who you are, because we don't know if people have listened to our first episode together. How, how right. would you, what is your elevator pitch for Melly Lee? <laughs> well, right now I'm a, I'm supposed to be a photographer, but I'm stuck in quarantine and I shoot with FaceTime and I work out a lot and I retouch photos. That's what, like, that's pretty much what my pitch is right now. Um, you know, my, my background's in, in like portrait photography and commercial photography, a lot of entertainment, um, my spare time was, was spent doing nature photography and a lot of like just outdoor exploration, but you know, everything's kind of off the table now mm-hmm. and can't do any of that. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm a photographer. I, I'm a photographer when the world says I can be a photographer again, but right now I'm just kind of retouching photos on a large scale. And, um, I've been writing a lot, just like blogging more. So I think like just this time has been given me, has given me like a lot of time just to be introspective and just, uh, I had a previous blog that was more for my photography mm-hmm. and I had a hard time writing on that blog or at least continuing to write on there just because I started that blog in right, right when I was out of college, my early twenties. And it was more just trying to me setting myself up to like, seem like I was a like, Hey, I'm a photographer. Look at my work. I know my shit. Yeah. And when I look back on it now, when I read it, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a cocky ass little 20 year old, which <laughs> Which, which 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 makes sense. Yeah, you know? it makes sense. Yeah. Um, so just like out of this uh, out of quarantine, I started a new blog called Not a Starving Artist. That it was a URL I sat on for a while because I liked the name, um, which came from this. Uh, there was a joke back in the day, in the, right out of college, where um, two of my close friends they I would disappear months at a time, uh-huh. and then they would never hear from me because I was probably like you know somewhere in LA trying to do some sort of hustle or on a project that I would just ignore my phone. So like, oh yeah, Millie died, but then she'll come back and resurrect it like a few months later. Um, so I, I, bu- I bought this URL because it was a Tumblr blog at first. Nice. I would just like kind of write, I would kind of write letters to my friends essentially like, no, I'm not dead. Yeah. I'm not a starving artist. This is what I've been doing. This is what I've been working on. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I eventually like kind of scrapped it. Um, he, he became better with staying connected to friends and such. And um, with quarantine and everything, it would, it, I kind of resurrected that URL again, just so that I could reflect and be more introspective on things that I wish I could, I could have told myself back, uh, back when I was starting. Mm-hmm. And also it's been a good place for me to just process like what I feel, what I went through and kind of finding just acceptance with the, with the process and the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like, um, more so recognizing that things are not necessarily good or bad. They just are. Right. And we project what 
we want them to be. And they say hindsight is twenty twenty, but really it's hindsight's only twenty twenty because we choose the thought, connect the, the events and the reasons and make it fit our current narrative. Yeah. And I think just kind of being okay with how we see the world and not like be so judgmental on ourselves is a better state of mind to be in. Agreed. Um, so it's just, it's just kind of been my sounding board. It's been, I mean, it's become a sounding board for so many people. I mean, not, to, not that that was the purpose or we need the validation because that's literally what this process has been to be okay with self and to be okay with not being agreed with or validated by others. But ironically, in that free space of giving yourself the, the freedom to express yourself honestly, right? Like really express yourself honestly and authentically and non-judgmentally. It's actually like, I, from what we shared and what I've witnessed, it is liberating other people because they're finding so much truth and value and reflection in themselves. That's what I think is like the best part. You know, I talk with so many creatives on this podcast in life in general. And I think there's like this big overarching striving for authenticity, but we don't even, you have to go through many versions of yourself to even figure out what that, what the hell that even means. Right. And so yes, um, that's what I just like off the top. It's just an appreciation for your voice because you and I talked about this in the introvert versus extrovert thing. I'm pretty sure I vocalize this because I still believe it. I've been around a lot of extroverted people who take up a lot of space with their extrovertedness, including myself, um, you know, being more open about thoughts and feelings, being louder, just like, again, taking space. And then what I've noticed a lot with my introverted friends is like just how brilliant and how deep and thoughtful they are. But they're not as like, you know, quick to share that because they they keep a lot to themselves or like they need to be in certain settings where they feel safe enough or like willing to to be open and like vulnerable in that way. And I'm just like, wow, I wish a lot of my extrovert friends would shut up so we could hear more balanced opinions from all these like brilliant introverts. Like those are things that I was really thinking about in a philosophical way after talking with you about it. So um, I've literally approached since then, Melly, I've approached other introvert friends that like they we talk, we all kind of like lean into our labels, like whatever categories we fall under. And I have mul- I have several introverted friends that I know are super brilliant. They're like, I was like, we all need to listen to you, right? Please school us. And they've denied me. I've been rejected by multiple introvert friends to be on my podcast because they're like, I don't want to be on air. And I'm like, but we need to hear what you have to say. And they're like, but I don't want that kind of attention. I'm like, no. <laughs> It's the look at me, but don't look at me. Exactly. So the struggle is real. I'm just, I want I want to go on air to recognize we're trying. Your girl's trying. I want to get more of these opinions. So in any way that it, get, it gets expressed, whether it's like you talking to me here on air or like through your blog, it's, it's valuable. It's very like valuable insight that I think has been very eye-opening and like prompting a lot of my own introspection. Because that's what a lot of everybody has been doing in this time, right? Like this whole year has been, I think, for spiritual woo-woo ways, like on purpose, necessary for all of us to like stop, think, (laughs) feel, and and figure it out. There's nothing else that would have probably stopped us, I don't believe, besides a pandemic of this magnitude to like make everybody stop, right? Um, I hope I'm not being like too like, oh, there's a silver lining to everything. But that is my general approach to life. There's always something that we're like gaining in value. Um, And usually it's going to suck. Oftentimes it sucks. 
Um, so to, to expand on that, because you're, you, you were saying like, there are all these like hurdles and barriers of like why you weren't like leaning and using this URL or like revealing it. You're a lot in your head and going through like the travels and like doing a lot of work. Can you walk me through what that was like when you decided to just be like, forget, like, fuck it. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm going to write. I'm going to like share my thoughts. Was that like a very surprisingly inconsequential thing? Was it ended up being just like, oh, it's not actually that big a deal. Or was it like a big deal for you to, to be more revealing and be more open? I mean, now it's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, but of course, like the first, the first post was the heart was the one of the hardest to post. A lot of times actually like, uh, like a lot of stuff I'm posting is actually like rewrites of older drafts okay um because i would write things for my other blog and i would just sit on them because i was like i i would just think that these aren't good enough Mm -hmm. the uh like the thoughts aren't really thought through yet or these aren't my thoughts these are the surface of my thoughts that's not like really getting into it yet yeah so a lot of times like the first one i posted ironically it's called it's okay not to be okay which is not about a korean (laughs) drama no it's about my my trauma with my my depression and my chaotic childhood yeah (laughs) Um, which ironically, I feel like I really need to watch that Korean drama because the ma- what the main uh, male character in there is kind of like pseudo my life because he has a uh, special needs sibling and his mom kind of favored the special needs sibling and gave him a lot of like emotional distress, which is kind of like parallels my life. I'm like, wait, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> am I am I a Korean drama? What's going on? We're all Korean. Where's my dramas. happy ending? <laughs> Where's my happy ending? Please don't have cancer at the end. Oh, God. No, somebody will give you eyeballs and it'll be great. Like, it'll all work great. out. Somebody will donate great. a vital organ and it will, you will emerge um, victorious and have amazing wedding and children. <laughs> um, but, like, it's essentially like, it wasn't ever like a real thing that I was like, oh, I'm going to go start a blog. It was more of like a need to express and a need to create. Mm-hmm. And I think just this pandemic was just the right combinations of things just to get me to focus mm-hmm. and really flesh out like oh i'm gonna I'm, I'm just gonna blog i'm gonna blog and you treat it more as like a creative exercise and expression um i guess to kind of give more context in it like in the past like my identity has always been um anchored to being a successful photographer mm-hmm. and what does it mean to be a successful photographer you know you use metrics like oh am i getting x money per gig am i getting x number of gigs am i shooting bigger celebrities or the beautiful social media how many damn followers do i have right 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 and none of that really matters you know it's like why are you measuring with these arbitrary subjective things that are controlled by some stupid algorithm mm-hmm. or you know it's just it's not it's not anything that's actually real um so I kind of hit this like weird space in like 2016 where um, at the time, like I had to, I was moving out of LA because my roommates were having kids. So they're like, get out, go find a new place to live. <laughs> and, you know, I was looking around in LA and it was just at the time it was everything was, you know, prices were going up mm-hmm. and I just saw that I was going to pretty much experience the same struggles over and over. I don't, th- I didn't think that I would encounter anything new. Uh-huh. So I left the country. I, w- I went abroad for a year to kind of like, I'm going to do something new and something different and uncomfortable. And that process actually made me let go of my camera. Like I shipped my giant camera, all the fancy lenses. I shipped them back to the United States because I got tired of carrying them around everywhere. Wow. And like that was like the first instance of like, 
this object does not define me because I don't use a XYZ camera. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make me less of a photographer. It doesn't make me less of an artist. It's just a tool that I use. Yeah. And I, uh, for the rest of like, for us of that backpacking trip, I just carried a small point and shoot. And I felt just so much more free with like seeing things and capturing them and sharing them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I came back to the States, I've like, you know, I was living out of a backpack for a year. When I came back, it was so much more freeing. I saw things in, through literally through a new lens. Right. Where a lot of, like, every, everything just seemed like excess. Everything seemed like excess. Everything seemed, like, very superficial. But I also felt very grounded in my identity. I didn't feel like this, I didn't feel like this anxiety to figure everything out. Mm. It was more just kind of the sense of peace of, I don't know where I'm going, per se, but I like the direction I'm going in. Yeah. And I'm going to keep leaning into that. And that just kind of also made me more open to doing things where I was, uh, I started doing, I started, uh, really seeking out therapy. That was a big, uh, a big stepping stone in like, I guess my journey or my path. Like I did the whole thing where I sit on a couch and I cry my ass off. Good for and you. Then, Good for you. Um, then I went, went, went and sought, um, cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. where I just kind of recognized like, no matter what I do, I'm never going to escape who I am, my past, my history, whatever. Like all these triggers are always going to be triggers, but the only thing that I can control is how I, approach them and how I de-escalate them so they they don't affect me in such a dire way. Right. And, you know, a lot of that came down to like, all right, it's time to get to know ourselves. <laughs> and then you've been on that part. Well, I feel like there's a, there's a, in terms of like this hero's journey that you want, I'm sorry, I'm being like the filmmaker here, but like in this narrative, <laughs> it makes sense because there are all these constant up, ups and downs, right? And that's the ironic cliche thing that everyone says, like the only thing constant is change, right? And that I think inherently for me, at least was very terrifying because I would always be scared of like, is it going to change for the better? Is it going to change for the worse? And I've been not dealing with my own traumas and my own issues that I was always just scared that shit was going to go bad. You know, I think I always had this like underlying fear that if things change, it's, I have to be ready for it to go really bad. Like, I don't know where I got this dramatic from is maybe watching too many movies, but I was like, you know, Batman, like the parents die in this horrible car wreck out of nowhere. I was like, what if I lose both of them at once? Like I really had to identify what were these voices in my head prompting so much terror to like just be. And like you're saying, like just appreciate what it is and why I felt like I needed even behaviors like hoarding stuff, right? Like why do like what you're saying, attachment to your camera and how your identity was like so like wrapped up in this thing. Like I had certain things like possessions that I was like, I have to take with me no matter where I go. And I was moving around a lot from the Bay to LA, around LA. And I would just like take everything with me. I packed all my crap, Melly. So like when I had my Maria Kondo moment with my friend, Kevin Fong, I love you so much, Kevin. I had mountains of stuff. Like when you're talking about how you shift your camera back, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I could have could do that now. I hope I could, but I have had massive attachment to things and those things defining my identity. Like, oh, I have to take all my T-shirts from my childhood and from all my leadership classes and whatever. There's still a lot of them in my drawer over there. I still holding on to them. But like what we're using as signifiers of who we are, what we are, how and why we matter. Like it just speak that part of your story really speaks to me. I think like yours is specifically photography, but I don't know. I just, it really resonates with me of like, yeah, I've definitely been doing that consistently throughout my life. Just attaching myself to this version of me. And this says everything I need to know about who I am. You're like, no, that's who I was. And I can continue to change and I can continue to learn. And that's been very eye-opening for me to like allow myself to evolve, if you will. 
Yeah. And also just like recognizing, I feel like just to, like, just recognizing that you are not your possessions. You're not what you say you are. And you can just be who you are without anything external. And that's good enough. And that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really great thing to acknowledge intellectually. And I'm glad that you do that because I think it's like a beginning step of like catching up emotionally. That's to me for me. And I'm curious what you think about it. I recognize like there are certain things I know in my head, right? Like I know that this would be good for me. I think therapy would be good, but like catching up and doing the things and like actually emotionally being on the same page with myself for me has been pretty hard. Like I'll know like, Oh, I need to let go of blah, blah, blah. Oh, it'd be good if I forgive da, 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 da. Oh, it'd be good if these habits like help me, blah, blah. but like, I don't get there in terms of practice and in terms of my feelings that easily or well. Is that the same for you? Or do you like when you decide something, you get you get on board with yourself pretty fast? I mean, when I decide something, I intellectually understand immediately. And then it becomes this like weird th- thinking trap of like, okay, I know. Why aren't we applying? Why aren't we embracing? <laughs> yeah, I can like, see that in you. I, I, I actively am acknowledging <laughs> that I should be doing this. And I am actively physically practicing says this now why isn't it clicking yeah okay <laughs> and good. it's a cycle it's a cycle but even like i don't like i don't know what it uh, what I, I i'm sure you have a more eloquent way of saying this like what right time or whatever or whenever when things are supposed to happen they'll happen mm-hmm. some sort of woo-woo <laughs> nonsense <laughs> some minty version yeah <laughs> so, um like uh so i think so uh, like the, the the blog post i wrote about teaching myself to like myself mm-hmm. um that I that got prompted because I came off a job. Um, I I came off a job and I, I flew I I flew down or I flying. What the hell? What, what is flying these days? I drove down. <laughs> I drove down. Yeah. I drove down during during during, during shelter in place because I got put on a job um, down in LA and you know it's just like you know it's your standard job. Okay, going on a shoot. Okay, I'm on set. Like what? Yada yada yada. But there was like this interesting combination of. I didn't have to fight for my rate for once. Mm. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt seen. I felt acknowledged. I had a eh, relative position of power. People asked for my opinion. So, so like, I guess that's power. Yeah. Um, but it just felt like, I don't, it just felt good because, um, I got sent down by my team. So it's like, Hey, I'm re- representing my team up in the bay on this photo shoot. The production on site trusts me and they're asking for my opinions mm-hmm. and no one's babysitting me because I'm here with a purpose. I'm here for a job. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just a, it's like a one week job. Um, and I just remember the first day, like I, I don't know why, but everything just hit me. I just like, when I got to, when I got, got off the first day, I went to my car. I was, I don't know. It was just like sun was setting in beautiful Griffith park. And I just like, was just very overwhelmed with emotion or just like, ah, it all makes sense. Like, <laughs> Epiphany. <laughs> Epiphany. It's like, I was literally like, in te- uh, like I'm not an emotional person, but I was like literally in tears crying to myself in a parking lot. <laughs> Aww, this is the emotional moment. I want to hug you and be like, yeah, <laughs> but it just like, it, everything just kind of made sense. It just felt like, Oh, I understand why I went through what, what I went through because you know, the, it was a relatively big client, but like it didn't feel big to me. It just felt like another day at work. Mm-hmm. It like there was a whole bunch of people who are amazingly talented, amazingly competent, and just like like I I have a huge respect for people who can encounter problems but be diplomatic and kind about it. Ooh, ooh, you know? that's it's big. like you know that's hard to that's hard to find with like people like to find. I see. I, I think that's just hard to find in general. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like, wow, how the hell did I get blessed to like be in this position to work with good people? And on top of that, it's like I'm back in LA, so I'm able to see my able to see my community and my friends. Mm-hmm. 
like that meant so much for that, that meant so much to me at, at that time and it's just like it's everything just kind of made sense like every struggle I went through every like emotional thing I had to go through like yeah. the uh, just like just you know feeling like shit like feeling like shit about myself and this it, now my voice is cracking how dare you Gigi? how dare I'm here you? For you I'm your safe space I got you I'm sending I'm giving you a big hug no I I freaking love you for sharing that Melly because again just from your title alone for me it was a it was a very um in a good way like a point of reckoning because I yeah. think that's a question maybe we haven't been challenged to answer but I think increasingly as a society as humanity um, we're, we're hitting all of these different uh, measures of success, right? Like you were saying, I love how you put that because that's what I've been um, so attached to, measures of success, right? Like, what does that yeah. mean? Is it because when I make a gazillion dollars, is it because of titles? I was really attached to titles, like being in leadership mm-hmm. positions, not consciously, but I think that was a huge validation point for me. Like if I didn't, if I wasn't president, if I wasn't like, you know, blah, 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 I didn't know who the hell I was. And um it's totally caught up in the Instagram lights, especially in this industry. But I think it's honestly pervasive everywhere. It doesn't matter if you're in Hollywood or in creative yeah. field, but like people just want to be seen and recognized and validated. One easy way to measure that is through like likes and follows. Yeah. Right. Um, and being, we've been in that world for quite a long time now, even though it's hasn't in the history of humanity, the time that we've spent with social media has not been that long, but I think its impact has been pretty significant. Right. Like, being living in a social media world where we're always like checking apps and we're addicted to the likes, get the dopamine kick and like, Ooh, someone thinks I'm great. Like, Ooh, like so-and-so follows me. Yeah. We've been living in that world for so long at this point that it's like, yeah, but that, but that was the thing that hit me when in the parking lot, it wasn't that anyone else validated me. It wasn't like a paycheck. It wasn't anything. It was like all of a sudden, like I like, so like, so what happened was I felt this emotion and then immediately I like posted something on my personal Facebook. Cause I was like, Oh shit. I think I'm proud of myself. I think I really like myself right now. And then these like little moments, they don't happen that often. So I think it's also just so crucial. Like, you know, whether it's like taking a photograph or journaling, I think it's just so crucial. Like, let me remember what this feels like. Yeah. Because I know in the, because you know, there's this idea of impermanence. We're going to have up days, we're going to have down days, Mm -hmm. but it's cyclical, you know? Yeah. What comes up must come down, what comes down must come up. So it's just like, I know in the future, I'm probably going to have a bad day. And when I have a bad day, because right now in quarantine, the whole like, like Facebook memories, Google photo memories, all these memories that keep popping up, those things like it's, it's kind of really like it's, it's, you know, it's fun to look back at and just realize like, Oh, for some reason, four years ago, I thought this moment was very significant. Yeah. And in a way, like for me, that, that moment, in the parking lot is like, Oh, this moment is very significant for me right now. I want to remember it in the future. I'm going to document this. You know, I'm just going to like blah, like gibber, write some gibberish or whatever. I'm feeling. It, was it was very just, moving like, gibberish, Melly. I remember reading it. And I was so, <laughs> I was so proud of you for being proud of you. Right. Like, yeah, <laughs> because also because I feel so fortunate as a friend, you've let me in and understand, like learn more things about you because you've been more open and vulnerable, like the things that you were sharing on your blog and with me about your family and like how you felt that that's that's real shit. You know what I mean? And um, even though I'm pretty open with like the story about my family and things like that in a public space on a podcast or on social media, there's still certain parts that I don't share, like how I feel or how I've viewed myself unless it's with somebody very close with me, you know? So I felt very honored. And that's why knowing all of that and seeing that post, just like, you know, like I was so like over the moon proud of you for being proud of you. And I know that that's not an easy thing to say, because again, seeing the title of your blog and recognizing 
that question that I've been asking myself throughout this year too, in, in light of the breakup and in light of being alone and being isolated and all that stuff. It's like, yeah, I'm stuck with myself. Very like recognizing, like I only have me at the end of the day, really. And do I like me? And Mm -hmm. that's a big question to maybe some people. It's not that big to me. It was like a big, big question. And I'd say early on that I'm learning through myself and with you and our workout group, all this stuff. I don't think I liked myself very much. Like we're to get to that part of this conversation. I, I banked on ego pride, a lot of things that altogether might come off. Like I like myself a lot, but at the end of the day, if I'm being really, really honest in a simple way, I don't think I liked myself very much. And that's why this whole concept of self-love changed for me this year a lot because self-love took on a different lens because I was answering a different question. What does self-love manifest? Like, what does it result in, right? What are the results of really loving yourself? I think being proud of yourself is one thing, liking what you do and not needing external validation or not needing all these bells and whistles that you thought you required to feel good about something. None of that matters, not none of it, but it all matters like so much less in a different way. Because you realize like at the end of the day, like I'm happy. I'm glad that I'm here experiencing this moment. I have gratitude and that's enough. I think that's a very profound differentiating thing of like, yeah, I'm like, I I feel good and I feel good about feeling good. I don't feel guilty. I don't feel like, you know, ashamed that I feel good. Like, oh, I feel good, but I really shouldn't. You know what I mean? All that second guessing. Anxiety. 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 Thank you. Yeah. So I love, okay. I love that we touched that. And then I'm curious if you're down to how were the ways that you didn't like yourself before? Because like you're at this point of recognition, right? Like, okay, cool. I kick ass and I feel good about it. That's brilliant. And I love it. And we want more of that because we know that there's going to be hard times ahead, but you are better as a person. So you'll handle it. But what ways you're open to share. Did you not like yourself? Oh, where do we get? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, let's, let's talk off the top comparison. Mm. Everything was a comparison. Mm -hmm. Like, Anything that you could like A and B test, it's like Melly's wallet versus so-and-so's wallet. Oh, oh I suck. <laughs> oh. Right? Yeah. Melly's camera gear versus someone else's camera gear. Oh, I suck. Melly's budget sheets, someone else's. Anything you could compare, it doesn't matter if it was the same or equal. I would find something better about someone else's stuff and then make myself feel horrible. Because uh, it was always real. a thing where it's, it's always a thing where it's like, oh, like I'm good, but I'm not good enough. Yeah. Or like, or I'm not, or I'm, I'm not working. It's, it's this enough question. Like, oh, am I working hard enough? Am I, am I, am I like, am I trying hard enough? Mm-hmm. Am I doing the best? Am I really doing my best? Mm-hmm. But then it's like, it's just like, it just seemed, and then look, you just comparing yourself to everyone else's life. And then like, at least for me, cause like, you know, INTJ personality, it's like you intellectually know a lot of things. Like, don't compare your your chapter one to someone's chapter twenty. Yes, I intellectually know these things. However, <laughs> however, but. let me let me search for reasons to back up why my initial initial belief is more true than what I intellectually know. Yep, yep. I will build up a very sound argument about how my inadequacies are very like I need to work on these things because it's not good enough. You know, like yeah, I get that a lot. Oh my God. And I think also just the sense of like not being able to let go of control is a huge thing. Whew. Like just using like even the concept of traffic and traffic and parking in LA once upon a pre-COVID ago. Um, <laughs> like, you know, it's like, oh, like I'm going to, I don't know. I don't know for you. Like I'm going to an audition. I'm going to set. I'm going somewhere. I have a meeting. 
oh crap, why am I late? Oh, I should have left earlier. Why didn't I leave earlier? Like, oh, because I was doing, I was wasting my time doing this. But it's no, you couldn't have control. You couldn't have controlled traffic. You couldn't have controlled not being able to find parking. These are things that are not in your control. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you beating yourself up for things out of your control? It, you know. it is a very constant companion, this inner critic of mine. Um, th- and I think that I had in my mind, like, taken a villain and made them a hero, if that makes sense. Like, my, I hate my the critical mind because it's hurt me a lot. But I also credited the critic for why I achieved so many good things in my life. And that's like yeah. a twisted way. You know what I mean? Like, it was me rationalizing like, oh, well... I mean, I know that it's bad to criticize yourself. I know that it's bad to, again, intellectually, like, I know it's not good to continue to be hard and judge yourself. However, look what it's brought me. Like, I've been able to do so many and, things because of it. And however, I want to stop you there. Because uh-huh. you shouldn't shame your critic. You should be friends with your critic. That's what I was reframing. Yeah, I love <laughs> you for that. Because, well, the, the, again, there's always, like, wondering. This has been the, a key thing for this year for me to just, like, get. Instead of criticizing and judging... You can still apply the same analytical mind of like, you're, we're smart, right? We're like taking data and like figuring it out. Does this work? Is there some better way to do it? Right. Always optimizing, optimizing. <laughs> but like I, for me, what, what helped me a lot with uh, my co-founder, shout out to, to James Yoon, you the man uh, for the company that I'm building. We, he was get I think he personally he was seeing it a lot in me because we'd have our meetings and he, he'd see and hear my critic very strongly. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's like, you don't have to go to that extreme, Ng. Like, it doesn't mean just because you don't get this technical thing that like you never knew until now. Doesn't mean you're like dumb or like, you know, I'll go to these ex- and it would get exposed because now I'm like interacting with my co-founder a lot. And um, to help me to be a friend and to like get the best out of me, we stopped framing it as like a judgment and framed it more as like, let's wonder, let's just wonder, like, just, just, you might be right. You might be wrong. You can still apply that same critical mindset, like that, an analytical mind, but you don't have to be so goddamn hard about it. You don't have to be yes. so like, you're stupid. Cause you don't know this or you're wrong. Cause you know, it's like, no, this is like objectively something I didn't know. And now I know you don't have to assign any, like, oh, you're lazy. You're dumb. You're like, you know what I mean? Whatever, ba- insert bad <laughs> adjective right there. You oh my know? God, you're, you're preaching my childhood right now. And th- so <laughs> like, that's what I love about you opening up about those things. And if you're down to talk about that, like how oh, you, yeah. how you recognize that depression and like the way that you were raised to and, and your parents and all that, fe- like it fed and like was a foundation for you to have that kind of voice in your head. Right. So some, so a few things that are I guess two things that I've noticed. One, like the whole voice in my head kind of thing. Uh-huh. But I've also noticed that um, compared to my other friends, uh-huh. I have really good relationships with men. Like I haven't had any, like, I just can't think of any situation where I've been like in a position where like I felt like, I don't know, like sexually harassed or like in a demeaning, a demeaning, demeaning uh, position of power. Like I have really good relationship with men mm-hmm. and I only maybe in the last year kind of recognized that oh it's because whenever like my dad would discipline me it wasn't ever like hey you're stupid or you're lazy it's like if I did a bad if I did poorly on a school test it's like well duh you did because you didn't study hard enough so just study better next time and don't do that again (laughs) which it was like yeah so he criticized me based off my actions and my performance not based on my character or um, you know, just based on myself. Whereas my mother mm-hmm. would be like, if I did something wrong, I'd be like, oh, you're stupid. 
Uh, oh, your work. I, I'm, I'm disappointing you. It was more like, and I didn't realize that I internalized that as like, oh, I'm so wrong. There's something wrong, very wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Not be, and it's not, and it's not like I can change me. I can change what I do. I can study harder, like what, what dad said. Yeah. But it's like, oh, I'm dumb. Well, I guess I am dumb. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh. it's, 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 it's not an area that, like when you criticize someone in that way and you put them down as a human being, it's like, you're not giving me a, a ladder or a rope to like climb and grow from. That's so you're just true. Telling, you're just, you know, you're just burying me. And for some reason, like that voice kind of manifested into my critic, which I constantly still have to fight where if I feel anxious on a photo shoot, it's like, oh, what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Oh, it must be because I'm awkward. Like, mm. no, no, no. If I say I'm awkward, I cannot fix awkward. Or fix is probably the wrong word, but it's like, I can't help awkward. But it's like, oh, probably because I was tired. I probably should have slept earlier last night. Right. Because there's something, you know? like, oh. solvable about it. Yeah. It's more like I'm just, like, attacking myself. And it's like, no, 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 no. Let's be, let's be nice to ourselves. Let's, let's be kind to ourselves. When do you feel like you actually started to apply that, though? Like, when what, was it in your cognitive behavior? Was it in therapy that you were able to identify that? A little bit more clearly yeah, yeah in therapy mm. uh yeah I, I i also went on a hunt for a therapist for a long ass time okay because i was looking for i had i have very specific requirements i cannot find all of them yet mm-hmm. but i was looking for specifically i was woman person and person of color and then ideally if that person would also have has also worked with special needs families that's very see Which, good for you. If I could find an Asian American, that'd be great too. But I'll take person of color right now. See, this speaks to your personality type as somebody who's very rigorous and like specific. Because to me, it's just like, well, does it feel right? Like that's my like, and and, and I'll reverse engineer and be like, oh, it makes sense because she's a woman. She understands family trauma, whatever. But yeah. again, I've learned from my. Uh, my INTJ friends or whatever, my more logical, practical friends have instilled in me tools to be like, I need to be more specific about things that meet my needs. And ironically for me, when I was looking for my therapist, it was weird because I realized, oh, like all of my pain and like being there for like friends or ex-boyfriends or whatever, my brother, like all of us, I wondered how much we felt motivated to address these hurts if we did not like ourselves, I, I felt like it was a weird chicken or egg thing. Like, can you help yourself if you don't like yourself? Cause you're not motivated to, right? Like I've wondered about that. I don't know if I have an answer, but on a practical level, you can, you know, if you want to, if you want to get deep, like I'll tell you for me, it was like my friend saved my life. That's, that's just, that, that's just it. How- like I went through a period, I went through a period of time where I was like super suicidal. Yeah. And like, you know, no joke. It's like, I would, fan- I would like, I never, like, I went to the point of cutting mm-hmm. and like self-harm, but I never did anything where it's like, I, I would go to locations where I would like, okay, I'm going to jump off this cliff or I'm going to jump off this pier. But I was, it wasn't into, I, I never, I, like, I would go to the pier, look down, mm-hmm. and I, but I wouldn't jump, you know? Mm-hmm. And then like a big part, you know, a big part of it, I feel is I just like somewhere in the back of my mind, I just knew that my friend's. Didn't want me to do that. That was, mm-hmm. that was, that was like a big thing. Like I remember high school, I actually had a point where like friends would come over and it's like, Oh, like, uh, where are the razor blades? Take all the razor blades, take all the knives, you know? Yeah. And like, just like, seal, like, just like seal those away. Um, those are- it was just like things like I, I also remember I had a friend back in, I had a friend who, uh, sent counselors after, after, after me cause she was afraid that I wouldn't come back during spring break. Mm. You know, wow. it's like things where it's, for me, for me, it's like if if I didn't like myself like that, to the point where it's like, oh, I, I could care less. Mm-hmm. But it's like having people that actually like 
are willing to push and know like, no, I care about you and I care about you enough that I know that I can't help you, but mm-hmm. I can, I can send professionals after you to, to help you. Right. That action. That's a huge, yeah. that's a really one beautiful, like act of love to like, yeah. try to help somebody. And it it's really, thank you for sharing that yeah. openly. And, 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 you know, again, I really want to drive people to your blog just because I feel like it's it helped me a lot. And I hope that it helps others. And you've gotten a lot of messages, especially from a lot of guys who are like dealing with the same thing. But we all in, in our respective ways need lifelines. Like that's something yeah. I'm personally encountering with myself of like, how have I siphoned myself off from help? Because I try to put on this brave face. Like I have everything figured out. I don't need help. I don't want to burden other people. That was actually a big thing of like the guilt and shame. Like I don't want to burden other people with all my shit. Like I have so much. Yeah. And I know that because I'm living in my body and my brain. I don't want to do that to somebody else and make them deal with me when they already probably have enough on their plate with them. Right. Yeah. Um, but then reverse engineering that and being like, well, a lot of value that I have felt in my life was when I was able to help a friend. Like it actually helped me process what I was going through, but it also got me out of my own feelings and out of my own stuff because I was able to be a value to somebody else. So it's like a weird, ironic, beautiful thing, right? Um, sometimes yeah. helping other people gives us a sense of like purpose and value. And it also practically gets us out of our head and our own problems and recognize, oh, maybe I can get through another day. And maybe it is just that day, right? But at least you got through that day, right? You don't know if that's going to carry you for the next year or if it's going to yeah. carry you for the next hour, but it helped you. So yeah. I don't know. These are all things that, again, we can see so clearly in hindsight. And I'm very, very grateful that your friends loved you so deeply to do that because I wouldn't be able to sit here and talk with you. And I, I fucking love you, Melly. So I want to put <laughs> that on. Too, yeah. And, um, I'm just like, that's like yeah, I just think it's, I, I forget. I, I probably heard on your, uh, somewhere in Minji's glossary of, of Minji quotes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's like, I've heard somewhere on like, I'm pretty sure you said it where it's like the more vulnerable you are, you make space for other people to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, something along those lines but I just remembered like when I was going through a hard time like in 2016 where it's like oh what should I do with my life in LA because I know exactly the life that I'm going to live it's going to be the same pattern the same struggles I'm still not going to be happy with myself and like my two of my closest friends um like I was talking to them like yeah I'd like I was just you know be my normal miserable self and then one of them just like cut me off and she's like Melly you're not happy here. Leave. Wow. And then, like, just, just all the excuses came out where it's like, but what about my job? You know, will I find work? What if I come back? You know, what if I run out of money? She's like, you're not happy here. You're responsible. You know what you're doing. You have your shit together. Get out of here. You're not happy here. Wow. And, and then like, I turned to the other friend and I was like, uh, are you going to let her talk to me like that? She's like, yeah, you know, you've been talking <laughs> about not liking LA for a very long time. Get out of here. <laughs> yes, we are going to let her talk to you. <laughs> You know, and then it's like, yeah, that's probably like one of the best things that ever happened to me where it's like, they just spelled it out for me. Where it's like, you know, you're our friend. We'll always be here. On top of that, we're already in the same, the same city and we barely see you. Mm-hmm. So like, what it's, not gonna ma- <laughs> it's not going to be any different. Get out of here. Shoot. That's so crazy how different I say like, again, we're at a certain point in our lives in our thirties that you can like have a lot of like data points to pull from, but I, I've definitely had those like uh, coming to Jesus moments where it's either a friend or a lot of a lot of uh, moments, significant moments in my life. Fortunately for me, I've been with my older brother who it's not been pleasant. I just want to be clear. I very much value them, but he's made me cry a lot. But I, I accept it because it's been helpful. You know what I mean? So 
I, I never want to paint like a false picture. Like, oh yeah, all these things are just going to be like, oh, an awakening. And oh, it's so great. No, a lot of my awakenings have been terrible. Like they've been very like <laughs> brutally honest. You know, I was like, well, geez, thanks. Like, it's like, it hurts. You're like, well, even my little parking lot awakening, the fact that it's like, ah, yes, 32 years. Finally, we can self-validate. Yeah. Where has this been my entire life? I add three more years on top of that. But... <laughs> But also, I, I, I also, okay, here, this is my, also my reckoning of myself. I also can be dramatic and exaggerate. And I've accepted that about myself. I'm a highly emotionally sensitive person. So I was like, is this really the first time you're realizing that? Right? It feels that way. It feels like, why did it take so long? Why did it take three and a half decades to like be decent to myself? Well, the accepting mature part of me is like, it just took you this long. Now, just yes. be happy that you recognize it and move along. Um, but also recognizing if I journal and stuff like that, these all help me process. I was like, actually, I've been pretty good to myself increasingly, incrementally and increasingly over many years. I think I'm the I'm the best version now, which is good. But realistically, if we look at the data, look back on old journal entries, look back on certain things. And those are I don't want to wallow in the past, but it is good to like check those milestones from the past previous versions of yourself and be like, actually, I had that recognition back then. Maybe not in the same way, but I was on my way. So stop, like, don't, don't skew your own narrative to like, again, further beat yourself up, like give yourself credit. Like you were on this path. You were learning all these things. Every hard moment was teaching you that. And that, that giving myself credit thing has lended itself to helping me like myself more because I'm like, yeah, I, you know, it's not to like throw a parade in my honor, but it's just like, yeah, good job, Minj. Like. Yeah. Way to, way to keep it up. Way to keep going. I know it's been hard, but like, good job. And that enough, that's a big difference for me because that voice mm-hmm. used to be like, you idiot. Like, why are you so, whatever, you know, we, we, we know this uh, critical voice very well. I would go on for really intense, prolonged periods of like just condemning myself. And I'm over yeah. it. I don't want to do that anymore. I just think I'm cute. <laughs> you are so cute, Melly. Well, cause like, like even like, so I said earlier about like, oh yeah, like my old blog of like, yeah, that cocky little 20 year old, like yeah. shut up. You don't know anything. <laughs> but it's like the fact that I can recognize that like my early 20 self was very arrogant and very like, and just had a certain tone and certain attitudes. Like, yeah, I recognize that cause I've grown mm-hmm. and I, and if I didn't recognize that, that wouldn't be a problem. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Like, so it's just like, oh, how cute. I thought I knew everything. Uh, you're such a cute little 20-year-old. Like, you just wait 10 more years. <laughs> oh, my God, Melly. When I open up, I have a journal from when I was 20. And I, I read it, like, a month ago. I, like, cracked it open because I was feeling really, like, down and sorry for myself. But I read that and I, like... <laughs> I died a bit inside. It was so cringy and so melodramatic. But I, but then I also like, I remember that time in that moment. That's, it felt, it was, you know, it was everything I knew at that point. And so I gave myself a little grace and I had the same thing. I was like, oh, you little, (laughs) you little thing. So it was a recognition of like way over dramatic Minji, but you know what? That's just where you were. Uh, yeah. glad we're not there anymore, you know? But it's like, it's like, what's wrong with being that, you know? Like, really, what really, what, why is that wrong? Why is it wrong to be, like, yeah, you're, like, your 20s, your 30s, whatever whatever age you were, why is it wrong to be who you were at the time? Right. Why put a, why put a label on it? It's just, it's, it, it is what it is. It's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It just is. Yep. Accept it. 
and on a practical level, I'll say, I, I want to say this because I'm learning how to balance out the emotional side of me and the practical side, because at the end of the day, I have goals, I have stuff I want to do. And so I'm recognizing the ways that this, this concept of like liking myself and the self-love, how it, how it has translated practically in my life and how it has held me back from like doing so many things that I want. Right. Or like pursuing creative projects, jobs, relationships, like how much it prevented me from expressing myself, even to people I love, whether that was, again, romantic or friendship or family, like all these voices in my head and and this basic thing of like not liking myself, it practically held me back a lot. I just flinched. I didn't think I was worthy of things. I just was so scared that I would fail and like how bad I would fail and like how embarrassing that would be. And, or are you doing it the right way? Maybe to wonder, maybe I'm doing it. Well. And maybe everybody else who ever tried anything, they had no idea what the hell they were doing and they just went for it too. Right. And they figured it out. Just like, I will have to figure it out myself. Um, but on the practical level, you know, I very much believe in love. So I want to be a place and a source of love for others to say like, yeah, love yourself because it's good to love yourself. It feels nice. And on a practical level, it helps you move forward and like have things that are very fulfilling. It is a big barrier, I think, not being able to like yourself. And it's way harder to like actually address it. I'm not saying it's easy, but I think the fruits of that are like pretty, you know, like profound and like huge. And maybe that's like what we're all trying to figure out right now. I don't know. Um, I'm very curious, Melly, if you like to like, and I, you can dig into me. I I'm know. an open book. I know. I'm wondering how to like articulate what I'm wondering. <laughs> when it came to the self-harm stuff, what um, do you when because you said you did that when you're a teenager, right? So I'm reflecting yeah. back on like how, again, in a objective way, like how dramatic I was as a teenager, how like terrible everything felt to the umpteenth degree, right? And I was hurting myself not by physically harming, but I was in that really bad relationship, right? What was it? The was it the record? How do you feel like you got through that? I know it can feel like for me, it feels like a blur because it's just like all water under the bridge. Right. Like I'm out of that period of my life. But I did some really messed up things to myself. Like how did I stop? Yeah. How did you how stop? Did... How did you how do you feel like you survived that? Uh, I mean, like there were t- there were relapses. Like I think I finally stopped when I was in college. Um, OK. I, yeah, like you said, it's like a blur, but I think it's at, at, at a certain point, like, you know, I just like kind of removed myself from situations where I was feeling like I just felt bad. Mm-hmm. And like, the more I removed myself, the less likely I was, I was going to, I was triggered to self-harm. Mm-hmm. And the more, I guess like, by giving myself physical, like, oh, maybe this is a theme of my life. Let me just forever nomad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was. <laughs> but it's just like the more physical space I gave, I gave myself away from things that, um, that weren't healthy for me, mm. I was able to create space so that I could just like process things. Cause I think just throughout my young life too, I never gave myself time to process like what I was feeling. Why did I like, it was like, Oh, I'm depressed. Bury it. Bury it now. It's, it's impeding your work. Oh, you know, you're yeah. angry. Bury it. Don't feel it. Don't feel it. Yeah. 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 Or distract. I honestly, well, for me, I feel like I've been just distracting myself. Yeah. I, I didn't bury it, but I was like self-medicating in all these other ways. Like for yeah. me, it was a lot of like boys and drama and, work honestly yeah those three things yeah yeah i mean work was probably one because i think like 
it was like either like 19, 19 or 20 when I started doing like photo jobs or photo assistant jobs. So it's like, well, I can't show up on set with an arm covered in bandages. So we need to not, we need to stop doing this. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad that, that that worked. Well, that's, that's what I'm wondering. Like if we call it self-medicating, but if it practically gets you from point A to point B, should we over villainize it and be like, you shouldn't do that? We're like, well, if it helps you kind of move past that particular really dark moment, should, yeah. you know, do you really want to throw that out the window? I think work can be a really good way to like get out of a bad moment. You know, I think it could, I think this like, is, this, is, this is more systemic than anything, because if anything, with their more tools should be uh, available mm. at, for to younger people, because yeah, like for me, like, you know, we'll call it self-medicating for now in high school. It got me through a lot of like hard times, like going through freaking like six AP classes and PSATs at that shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> God, I'm, I'm like reliving <laughs> stuff. <in. laughs> right. You relive it. Uh, AS, ASAB. Uh, <laughs> freaking varsity sports doing stupid red cross and key club. Cause you need to look like you care about the world and volunteer because not because you want to be a good person, but because you want to go to freaking college and go into debt. Let's let, let's let me keep going down this rabbit hole. Oh God, please let's not. <laughs> the idealism, but but, but it's like you know, it's like yeah, I did I did these things because for me it was like you know my whole life was kind of was was chaotic at that time too, and it's for me I I did that because I needed something just to like I didn't have I didn't I never had the discussion or was given tools that how to like how to handle my emotions yeah. Or, handle my behaviors or I, even the thought of like, Oh, my emotions will affect my thoughts, which will affect my actions, which affect my character. Like I never had those, had those type of conversations before. Right. So for me, the only, th- my only priority was I just had to do well in school. I had to do well in school so that I could be, have a good profession so that I could fulfill my destiny and bring honor to my family. Right. right. <laughs> the, the classic Mulan story, bring honor. Yes. Bring honor. Yes. But you know, for, so for me, I found, I found this outlet so that I could just shut down mm. and that once this emotional side shut down, it was almost like an on-off switch. Okay. I don't feel that anymore. And the reason I feel this is because there's a cut on my arm. Okay. I understand this. Now I can focus back on the task at hand. Wow. You know, you know, that, that's what it was for me. You know, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Yeah. It's probably wrong. <laughs> I'm going to say it's wrong, but you know, I wish there was other outlets. You know, I wish that like, I wish that, you know, this like either, you know, the woo-woo side of me wants to jump in meditation because mm-hmm. I'm into med- meditation right now. But I just wish there was other outlets, like just either like a teacher or coach or whatever who would just like pull me aside and just talk to me about these kind of things. Yeah. Versus me trying like, oh, God, I, I can't let this affect me because if it affects me, it's going to affect my performance. Yeah. Yeah. That's I think there's like I think because we're all also recognizing like how different we are as human beings. We want to find the most efficient way, but like, what's this one thing that we could do for everybody that will like alleviate this pain and help them survive? And maybe there is that one blanket thing. Maybe that blanket thing could just be like communication, but that's a very big term. Like, what does that mean? Right? Like if you can communicate with a teenager or somebody who's going through a really hard time, they have a particular background, a particular personality, a particular communication type, and then we can get more refined there. But yeah, I, I, I'm that kind of thinker. I'm like, well, what's the, what's the silver bullet? And that probably doesn't exist, but I'm always aspiring to find like, what's, what's something that can help us survive the best that we can? Cause if we can, yeah. like, I do credit certain things. If I reflect like how certain, how music helped me so much listening to the right, like it helped me get through moment to moment to feel understood and to sing and like 
part of my feelings were processed that way. And I was like, I was able to survive like massive verbal abuse and trauma at a very tender age. You know what I mean? And that's why to this day, music means so much to me. And I think it means it's personal to a lot of other people because we don't know what that song helped you survive. Right. And maybe it didn't mean that much to you. Maybe to you, someone else, it was woodwork or like making little movies on your iPhone. I don't know, but something helped somebody get from through a dark moment. Right. And, um, I do think that like us having this conversation on air, hopefully again, it's just one of many conversations I hope are being had to identify what those tools are because we need them. We do need them. But I, I, it terrifies me as much as I want to like have a family down the road. I'm scared. Like how would I handle if my kid if and when they go through their dark moments as a teenager, because I'm just reflecting on how bad it was for me. And I'm like, I don't know. Will they let me in? Will they like, will I be part of the problem? Yeah. What am I supposed to do? And I don't want them to be, it, it terrifies me that they would have the thoughts that you and I had as teenagers. Mm-hmm. It scares the shit out of me. And I'm like, how can I be a proper mother or even auntie, right? Like if it's not even my kids, how am I supposed to help them get through that moment? I want tools. Right. Like someone give me tools. Yeah. Cognitive behavior well, therapy. Yes. Yes. What is it? What I mean, is that, it? <laughs> I mean, that's why like, I'm like, I'm so, I think like that's why now I'm more open about sharing things about my past or like things that I've gone through because like, uh, like uh, there's a, there's a Netflix show called uh, Atypical with our friend Amy Akuda. Yeah. That was the first time I've ever seen like my, my family household mirrored in media. Mm. And like the daughter, the daughter in the show, like I identify with her so hard. It's like, oh, your your achievements are not being acknowledged because your brother's having a meltdown and he's special needs and all the attention must go to him. Yeah. And your job is to suck it because you are the normal child. Ah, I relate so much. I'm seen and understood. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, I think before, like I wouldn't talk about like having a special needs sibling or I wouldn't talk about like my my self-destructive past because it's like, oh, these are shameful things. I don't want to talk about them. Like these, this does not support my hero's journey narrative. Excuse you. <laughs> Let me. <laughs> but now I'm more kind of like open to talking about it because it's like the fact that like, I think Amy's show what came out in like 2017, 2018. And like, like I, I specifically remember like I was on one of my weird random travels i was somewhere in canada and i couldn't sleep that night so i said i was like oh i'm gonna support my friend's show i'm gonna watch this on netflix so i pull out my phone watch it seeing like my life being portrayed in on media like i just could i I couldn't handle it i just started bawling Mm. and then i was in a hostel which probably wasn't a good thing so then like i can't cry in here so i literally ran out of the hostel ran like a like i ran to some random lake in canada i just like i just literally just like had a garden state moment where like i think i want to scream into this lake because no one will hear me oh so you did I did. That was amazing. Wow. What a moment. But I just, it was just, it just felt like, it just felt so cathartic. Just like, oh my God, I feel seen. Like every, like, it just felt like extreme validation. Like everything I was, everything that I felt that was, I shouldn't be feeling like, oh, I shouldn't be jealous of my brother because, uh, because like, oh yeah, he has special needs. I don't need attention. I know that. Yeah. Why do I, why, why should I, why should I be jealous of him? Right. But it's like, oh wait, yeah. It's because I was a kid. I deserve to be seen. I deserve to have equal amounts of love and I just never felt that I never my needs were not fulfilled right essentially that's what, what it came down to and I don't know it's more uh, and then the fact that it's like oh if this arbitrary show could do that for me it's like well why shouldn't I do that to, for someone else someone random person that could be listening to this or reading whatever because it's like well this like kind of with cognitive behavioral therapy 
this part of me is never going to go away. It is always going to be part of my history. Whether or not I talk about it or not, it's it affects who I am now. Right. It's gonna it's still gonna affect me who I am in the future. It's it's just part of my history. It's not something I can erase. And it's also it's not shameful if I if I deem it's just it is what it is. It's just this this is a fact it happened. Right. You know, if I if I'm ashamed about it, then yeah, then maybe it's going to be detrimental to me. But I'm okay with it because it happened and it just made me who I am now. You've accepted you know, I it. I wish I've accepted it. I wish things were different, but it was that ever in my control was mental health and that conversation around in like the late '90s, early 2000s that wasn't a big. It wasn't. Absolutely. Was I, yeah. Was I in a position where I could reach out for these tools? No. Yeah. It's it kind of is what it is. It is what it is. exactly. And, yeah. And that, that's a bad thing, but it's like now it's like, well, what, what can I control? Oh, I can control sharing this. I can control like, well, I can tell you about cutting. I can tell you like what it did for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not encouraging to do, you to do that. I'm telling you why I did that and the reasoning behind right. it and what I wish I could have done instead. Yeah. You know, I, I can talk about that and hopefully that would help somebody. Right. Uh, I can talk. Uh, that's like. No, and that's why I, we're, like I'm willing to share. <laughs> I'm an open book. Dig into me, and, and I love it because I think well, you've well, you've educated me from your point of view, like how much you would shut yourself off, or like you know, even like for for example, because we we have uh, we we get to share a lot as friends through this this crazy crappy time and find ways to like find some level of self-development, which I think has been kind of natural, but also like intentional from, from us too. And in a group of friends, um, that we're lucky to spend, you know, every morning with, but like you, we even talked, um, cause we got very tactical about it, right? It's like, these are like big concepts, like self-love, self-development. How do we know ourselves better? How do we like ourselves better? What does that look like? Right. What is that? How does that show up in the world? One of the things that we're talking about, one of the things is that you're, great about revealing like your true feelings about writing this blog. And it meant a lot to me to like understand that perspective of yours and to see how deeply these things um, impacted you. It made me think about you differently. It made me think about myself differently. And then it also came to like inconsequential, quote unquote, like stupid things like Instagram stories, right? The fact that, you know, it can, we, we put these labels on like, oh, it's so, so dumb. It's just social media. And yeah, on one hand, it is all very stupid and inconsequential. On the other hand, to me, as like a studier of humanity and like human behavior, that's why I love acting and filmmaking. I love understanding what's the story behind this. It does say a lot about us as people, right? Like that we put this projected image of our- ourselves that we like compare ourselves endlessly. So now that we're recognizing this at this point in our relationship with social media, what's happening now? That's what I was like commenting on TikTok. I think TikTok, the lot of the content that I'm seeing on TikTok is like a direct middle finger to like the Instagram life, which is, no, this is who I really am. Like, yeah, I like to dress up in drag. It's fine. Like, oh, I love coffee this much. Like, I'm going to be own it. I'm going to like make a little video about it. We're all going to laugh and we're all going to learn something. TikTok, I, that's what, even though there's a lot of controversy around the app and a lot of controversy on like the politics of it, the culture that I think that it is bred is more authenticity, right? And then we were translating that to like IG stories and we we're like noting like, oh, Mel, you're on camera a lot more. Like you're talking because you're saying like on, on Instagram, you would never show your face. It would only be your work, right? It will always be photos of other people. So Or the back of my head. <laughs> yeah, or the back of your head. So I'm curious like what that process has been like in like in this blossoming of self and like this, oh, that, this learning to liking of yourself. Oh, that is such a, oh, you're, you're, you're going at it. Um, yeah. So let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about pretty girls. <laughs> oh yes. Let's, let's talk about pretty girls and how I never felt like I was one of those pretty girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know, like there's always, there's a, there's, 
a projection, uh, a projected sense of what beauty is or what is, what is acceptable. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where it's like, I don't fit that box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's uncomfortable, like, especially like just being an aware person. It's like, all right, I can formalize this, which I probably shouldn't do. <laughs> it's like, it's like, if I am pretty girl, pretty girl talks, pretty girl gets more engagement. Engagement turns into more opportunities. Opportunities turn into financial success. Yes, yes. All the boxes. <laughs> how does, does it, because all right, how does one become pretty girl? Well, this is difficult. <laughs> <laughs> These standards are way too high. Oh no. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Let's just avoid this entire situation and just let my work speak for itself. Right, right. Let me be invisible. <laughs> let me just stay in the shadows because this is too much. Yes. And let me distract you. Look, pretty work, pretty work, pretty work of pretty people. <laughs> yeah. I've, 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 I've found a loophole. <laughs> and you've thrived in that. But now you've broken that barrier, right? And like, how has that process been for you? Because we got to have the, this discussion. And I still think I'm working through a lot of things. And I've, I've even personally like really hesitated from vocalizing these things because again, it's a spectrum and it's very subjective, right? What we deem as like, as attractive or pretty again it's a lot in our in our head so i wanted to basically through this podcast process these feelings and volunteer that like i volunteers tribute (laughs) to acknowledge like i have i still have a lot of issues that i'm working through about my own image and how i've compared myself to others how it has hindered me how it has helped me there is pretty privilege which is another episode that i'm like very eager to dive into um but how we've like, again, self-identified or qualified our- ourselves as like X, Y, or Z and how that has, again, presented itself like holding back our own voices or not even like occupying space on your own damn Instagram, Millie. And like, you're a beautiful soul, <laughs> I, you're a beautiful face, you have a beautiful body. And that's like this blossoming that we've seen for, at least for me as your friend observing this year, <laughs> um, like really just like owning that about yourself and then also be willing to share that with the world. Right? Like, oh my gosh, I love this. I love this. You're making me so uncomfortable right yeah, now. It's, Let's it's, lean into it. Let's lean into it. It's the joy of my I'm life so, right now. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable right now. This is great. This is great. That's another thing. It's just like another thing of like whole, the whole like liking yourself more. It's like, oh, is something uncomfortable? That's probably truth knocking at the door. Lean into it. Don't run away. Don't run away. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I, now that we're leaning yeah. in, <laughs> we're, we're leaning in. We're leaning in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, like, into, like, I'm, I'm, like, it's hard for me to talk about this because I don't know the right words yet. I haven't found the, I just haven't found, found the way to describe what I'm trying to get at yet. Mm. It's probably, there's, get back to me in six months. I'll, I'll dig more into it. Yes, we'll but do. it's just like this, just, it's just like the sense of like, I can't control, like, there's only a certain amount of change I can do to my body mm-hmm. or to my looks or whatever. There's only so much like, I don't know, makeup, hair, clothes, working out. There's only so much at the end of the day, it's just me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. also at the end of the day, it's like, why am I trying to live up to someone else's standards? And why am I trying, why am I seeking validation from people who like, what will look at me for a swipe or like, will see me across the street. Yes. Like, it really doesn't matter. Yes. And for some reason, it's like this overwhelming wave of like, I see someone's standards or, what I interpret as someone's standards and I'm applying them to myself mm-hmm. and I make, and I'm demeaning myself because of what I think. Mm-hmm. And it's not real. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's still such an exercise to like undo all that. Yep. Um, and uh, I just like, uh, like, uh, I just, I did, I did like a, uh, I did like a 30 days of like intermittent fasting just to try it. Cause I'm a weirdo. Um, but I don't know. I noticed. I I noticed like in I think about the second or third week that like I actually I 
probably just from seeing like changes in my body like I felt good about myself mm. um and I don't know maybe just because like overall I felt good about myself I felt better with like oh I'm just gonna show my face on camera yeah and you know I think it's it's either gonna turn into like me becoming desensitized to my own face and my own voice talking in front of camera mm -hmm. or it's just gonna be like no that's just how I am and I like myself what's wrong with liking myself yes and I think also that like I because I, I did vlogging before on YouTube um and I did that and I, I did that more as a practice of can I get can I become better with speaking my thoughts authentically without stuttering or just being okay with like whatever's coming out of my mouth without like censoring myself like can I become okay with that right and I did that for a while and then I realized oh now I'm now I'm thinking too much about curating the perfect moment and I'm not in the moment so stop <laughs> <laughs> the analytical mind never stops in Melly Lee but I love that about but, your brain I love that you're always like aware and, yeah and thoughtful I think now I think with like because it's different too like with I feel like with I mean uh, YouTube is too general it's, it's too it's too specific I think any medium where you're actively recording on like a record, like a, a high definition recording device, you will feel a little bit more um, like you're more prepared or put together because it's more of a presence. The, the camera in itself is a presence. So you feel like, okay, I have to put on something so that I can perform or project to said camera. Mm -hmm. But if it's something like a stupid video selfie for Instagram, it's, it, it feels a little bit more personal. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe so like lower stakes too. Cause you're just like, it's Instagram. Not, not, I, w I wouldn't say lower stakes. I'd be. It's more of like okay. Like, if anything, I want to say it's higher stakes because it's like I need to just get a snippet of me just being authentic in myself and mm. just like it's what maximum fifteen seconds. Like mm -hmm. that's all I need. Whereas like if you're if you're recording something on a big camera, it's like all right. Well, I got multiple takes. Ah, sure. I got multiple takes, and I can edit this. Well, you can edit your Instagram story or whatever, but it's like I don't want to open up another <laughs> another app. <laughs> well, honestly, I'll say for being talented in front of camera. When I see like a nice camera, it scares the shit out of me because it's like it captures every pore, every wrinkle, <laughs> every like strand of hair out of place that Melly then has to spend hours retouching. You know what I mean? And somebody <laughs> knowing that somebody's going to take time to like look at your nostrils and look at like your pimple to like blur out the blemish. It's again, that as the, for me personally, that was like something I had to get over because at the end of the day, I cared about the performance and I had to endure being scrutinized from like every pore, every eyelash, everything on an HD camera. So that because what I cared about at the end of the day was like, did I convey the emotion? Did I tell the story? But I understand like you can cross, you can like slice and dice this in any number of different directions, whether you're on like your, your cell phone or like on an HD camera, but just showing up in general is yeah. depending on who and where you are, it can feel really high stakes, whether it's for your like personal Instagram, whether it's for like a big budget production. Um, for me, actually, it felt way higher stakes to be authentic on my own Instagram versus like. A big budget production like you said like oh you can do takes somebody's gonna edit it they are gonna make sure that I like look great on my Instagram like I don't have anything to like hide behind yeah. minus like filter of my choice to make me glow whatever yeah. also like anything that's high, anything that's like a high budget or like or or some other third party whatever filming you're doing it for it's also not in your hands the analytics right like literally i could open up my phone and see like all right how relevant am i to how many people am i relevant to <laughs> like oh it's no one okay <laughs> How you know, but but it's like if you film something for a commercial, it's not gonna be like Minji. Your commercial was only seen by this one 
Bekva City in Oklahoma. Okay, Sorry. legit though, I have looked that up. So. <laughs> okay, I, I clearly I'm not talented. So no, yeah, know. it's different. Again, okay, that's why I think for every person on their particular path is different, right? Like the way you'll qualify the meaning behind something, said metric. Right. Whether it is how much money you made off of something or how many people looked at it or how many people shared it. We have a a lot at our disposal to like compare and contrast. I think the more that we change internally, the meaning assigned to those different metrics will continue to change. You'll always have them. I still have the likes. I still have the followers. They're always in my face. But the meaning I've attached to them has for me personally at this point diminished a lot. Like it doesn't, it doesn't mean that much to me anymore. And uh, it, it's there. And then depending if I'm like PMSing too, then it means a little bit more. Like I'm aware of that. I'm like, okay, we're feeling very sensitive right now. We're a little bloated. We're a little tired. You're going to maybe just like not, don't be on social media. And that's how I tactically, like strategically a- yeah. attack my life. I'm like, we're sensitive this week. We're going to stay off the platforms a little bit. Um, and I try to help myself that way. And it's like an upward spiral because I like myself more. I feel more protective of myself. I'm like, we're not going to do that to ourselves today. It's like genuinely, yeah. I feel like I approach life a little bit differently. It might be a subtle shift, but it's now that I like myself more, I, I protect myself more and I care for myself yeah. more. Does that make sense? Yeah. Totally get it. Yeah. I mean, if I want to extrapolate that and take it out of the woo-woo sense, yeah. it's protecting your time at the end of the day. Yes. Thank you. Can you speak on that a little as we... Oh. <laughs> Well, cause that's the thing, like I'm, I'm, I, I'm on social media, but I actually spend a lot of time off my phones, mm-hmm. uh, just cause I spend so much time at work in front of a computer editing mm-hmm. that like my eyes are physically tired at the end of the day. Yeah. Like I'm like, I'm tired of looking at screens and you know, it's like I open my phone and I'm going to get triggered by something. And if I knowingly am going to get triggered, do I want to spend X amount of hours decompressing off being triggered on this phone? True. Like, no, I would rather spend my time doing something else, like cooking, going for a walk, or I don't know, reading a book or something. It's just like, how do I want like when you actually cut up your time mm-hmm. throughout the day, mm-hmm. like take an audit of your of your week, because that's a nice analytical thing to do. And <laughs> <laughs> but if you audit your week, how much time are you spending on your phone? Yeah. How much? And then how much time are you spending? getting anxiety or some or just being triggered by something mm-hmm. and what's in your control oh just put your phone down right done oh look i gained four hours whoa what the what is this what can i do in these four hours it's translating yeah. a lot to me too with relationships just like putting the you know our favorite word boundaries which i'm again applying for realsies in like in my 30s but i'm still very grateful for it. i'm like again better late than never but applying boundaries to like my time and energy with like who I interact with. Cause there are certain people that I did identify along the way caused me stress. And again, doesn't mean it's always going to be that way, but right now in this moment, it doesn't help me to like talk to this person. Um, yeah. Like certain conversations with my family were getting very triggering and I had, I love them and I feel a lot of like loyalty and need to be there as like the daughter, the sister, whatever. But I had to like look out for myself. And the more that I was learning to love myself, it meant, hey, I love you, but I cannot talk about this right now with you because it's really going to bring me down. And learning how to say that with my family, first and foremost, for me was a big freaking deal. Not everyone has the same issues with their family the way I do with mine. So that's why I'm not prescribing that on anybody. But I'm just letting you know, like for me, it had to start, I had to start with those closest to me. And that was like a hard nut to crack. It took me a really long time to get there to be able to address it because I felt so much like I can't villainize my family. They're the reason why I live and why I've gone through all these hard things. And 
you know, I don't want to be a bad daughter and like all these like frameworks I had in my head. But working through that, thank you, therapist. <laughs> and thank you, Melanie. Like the, thank you, working therapists on Therapists are so crucial. Like, I remember when my first therapist, which is why I'm on the hunt for the perfect therapist. Mm-hmm. But I, I love my current one, mm-hmm. but I'm always like, can I get, is, is there something I can do better? <laughs> Optimizing. Um, but yeah, like I remember my first therapist, I was trying to like, I was trying to like, you know, resolve some, some inner turmoil. I was like, oh, granted he was a white cis man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he's like, you should just talk to your parents. I'm like, no, that doesn't work in an Asian American household. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you should just tell your parents what you need and what you want and what they're not giving you. I'm like, that does not work. No, 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 no. I talk, I get slapped. <laughs> <laughs> you do not have the solution right now. Thank you so much for trying. Bye. Like, bye. Next, next, please. Yeah. It's just like, you know, the, the cultural differences too, which is why like I love cognitive behavioral, behavioral therapy. Because it's like, well, I can't control how my parents are going to ever react to me. You know, granted, right now we're on a, we're in a really good place. Good. Thank you. Many many years of therapy. Yeah, again. yeah. But it's like, you know, they're yeah. I can't control how they're going to behave or how they're going to respond to something. I can control how I respond to them. I can control what I say to them. Yeah. And how I act around them. Yeah. And I think having a deeper understanding of myself that allows me to better function in and navigate in these like odd situations. Like with the whole COVID situation, like I wasn't feeling great about going home at all because, mm. you know, like my parents are from that that town, that Huntington Beach town. Oh, God. The one that's going viral on YouTube be- or on Facebook because no mask. Dude, yo, for real, like some people, if I call some people because I have a 714 number, like, ugh, why is Huntington Beach calling me? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Guys, it's me. Please pick up. The stigma of Huntington Beach. Thanks. Chad goes deep. Yeah. That video is um, great, by the way. But it's like, you know, I wasn't feeling good about going home for a bit. And like, I felt, you know, like I'm actually, my, I was surprised for my parents, to be honest, like I didn't feel good about going home. Uh, politically, we politically we, we don't stand on the same grounds. Mm-hmm. A lot of things we still disagree with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I was like, yeah, you know, like I really want to see you guys. Um, I'm probably just going to, you know, stay outside. Um, I'll wave to you from the window. Um, you know, cause I want to see you guys, but I, I don't know if it's, if it's safe, if it's safe for us to be in the same room. And I was like, oh, you know, that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah. Come by whenever. Just let us know. I'm like, oh, you guys are receptive. Ah. Huzzah. So, <laughs> and I think also just taking those small bets as well. It's like, oh, let me see if I could put a small boundary out there. Yeah. Oh, nothing, ba- nothing bad happened. Yeah. Oh, cool. So next time if I ever get into a situation where I don't feel good and I can put a boundary, like, well, I still, is it safe? You know, and having that reinforced cycle of like, oh yeah, I set a boundary. Nothing happened. Nothing, nothing went wrong. Like, cool. Setting boundaries is not scary. Right. Let's lean into this more and keep practicing healthy boundaries so that, you know, your time can be protected, but you, you and yourself can be protected. Right. Your energy, your emotion, your heart. Yeah. I think that's, uh, having the small bites approach is really, really wise. It's effective. Um, in terms of like, we've talked about really, really deep and big things in this, in this amazing conversation that I'm so happy I have recorded for all eternity. Um, but I can't believe you got me to talk about the pretty girl problems. That's, that's something I have not fully addressed myself. Oh, is that oh, not boy. a blog yet? <laughs> I just don't know how to talk about it. Cause it's like, it's just, for me, it sounds just so vain. It's like, Hey, let me talk about how I don't feel like a pretty girl and how I see everyone else as pretty girls. And I'm standing here and everyone's over there and I'm like the ugly duckling. <laughs> Oh, I'm, oh, this is, it's coming. <laughs> See, you, feel it too, you know what I, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, how do you talk about that? But that's like, if I, if I actually were to talk about that, I feel like openly it's like, Melly, take off your shirt. You have a freaking six pack. Right. It's like, oh, but 
I, I thought part, okay, part of me also like had like acquiring said abs. Uh-huh. Like that was also me like being very analytical about it, where it's like, well, I can't change the face, but objectively abs are attractive. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I can do a whole bunch of sit ups and acquire the abs, which objectively that would at least put me in this category of like, well, I'm not pretty, but I'm athletic and athletic is attractive, right? You're all all the things, Melly. But I I very much agree with you. And I was just I was just I make Melly uncomfortable because I saw a really pretty picture of her yesterday, and I told her that she looked really pretty because she did. She's glowing, and she's like, "What?" I said, "Thank you." Yeah. I said, "Thank you." you. Said, Thank you. But I know that's it's it's a, it's a very sensitive personal area, and I personally I've kept quiet about a lot of things because I don't want people coming at me where they're like, "Oh, well, I think you're pretty." Like, are you crazy? And I don't want to deal with that. I would love for somebody to just be like, "Oh, I understand. Like, I get it. It it, it is yeah. weird." Um, so. We're working on it and we'll get there. I'm definitely it's it's coming up in the podcast. Um yeah. I have things I want to create about all the plastic surgery that I wanted to get. And that was like again, I felt a lot of shame about admitting that, but like it's something that I just own now. But like I was gonna spend tens of thousands of dollars like cutting up my face. And it really kind of scares me now to like think back on how serious I was, how much research I did, how like brainwashed I was to believe that like this right here was like completely like that unacceptable. Um, yeah, it's like where did these thoughts even come from? Yeah, it's just like yeah, it's a lot yeah. there. Like why? Yeah, and <laughs> this is not helpful. And all of the and all of the things that I work so hard and like thinking about how as a as a as a freelancing creative and someone that has all these ambitions, like how much money that would have required in terms of like hours of work. And I'm like, that's what you were going to spend money on. <laughs> you know, the practical side of me is like, you could have gotten like, it's a down payment on a house. Are you crazy? Like, but yeah, I was a hundred percent convinced at a very significant par- portion of my life. Still think about it here and there still now about like things to change. And like, if that would make life better, I'm, you know, it's, I'm at the tail end. I'm really, it's like, it's impractical. It won't really resolve the thing that it really is rooted from. Um, I don't want to spend my money that way. I'll just have to learn how to deal with my face. Like, yeah, literally, but, but that's, it comes back down to what we started this, this whole conversation about. It's like, why aren't you enough for who you are? Right. Like, why do you, like, why do you have to change anything that's like, why do you have to change anything or add anything or get something external to be okay with just how you are? Right. Which is why I have a sticker saying I'm enough because that's something I was working actively on embedding in my brain. Yeah. And I still am. And I think I've made a lot of progress. And I think the things that you and I have been able to talk about on this episode and like previous and what we'll continue to talk about are like really good moments of like validation in a good way of like, no, we're making progress, right? We're saying like, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be a very inch by inch, like millimeter at a time, 1% each day is even like a big, great goal to try to aspire to, right? Um, just accepting that it's it's a long process. It's worthwhile. It's not going to be easy. It is what it is. And like, so be it. But that's why I'm very glad to have like friends around me who I can commiserate on that with because it can be very lonely and we're all dealing with like our own unique struggles, right? Like there's a lot of things that you and I commiserate on and like parallel, but there's a lot that you're going through that I've never experienced. And it would be very, very different for you to process that in you than me, like with my certain sets of like my background, my traumas, my personality type, all that stuff. Um, We're all figuring it out, but it's nice to have company while you're doing it, you know? Yeah. And so I really encourage everybody like still go check out Melly's blog and continue to like give me feedback. I've been very, very touched by like how open people are with me 
as a result of this podcast, like it's been mad awkward for me to like open up about certain things. And I seriously will like stop recording and be like, oh God, do I want to publish that? <laughs> like, <laughs> like in the moment, I'm so gung ho about like saying it. But after I'm telling, being real with all you guys, there's been multiple episodes where I'm like, I'm not going to put that live. And then yeah, I, I totally get that. ultimately whole, did. Yeah. Yeah. The whole like, oh, what happens if this comes back to haunt me kind of loop? And then <laughs> because this comes back to haunt me, I'm not going to get this job. And if I don't get this job, then I don't go here. And then if I don't go here, then my life is over. Yeah. Or the general feeling of like, I've said too much. I've said too much. It's too much. They said too much. <laughs> like... And I just want to change that narrative. How about like, oh, if this doesn't happen, then we go this alternative route. Because I went this alternative route. Ah, I've achieved. I got everything I ever wanted. Yeah, that's definitely my mindset. I've had enough data points in my life. Be like, no, going the way that you followed your heart and what your gut said and what you felt was right, even if it felt really weird and uncomfortable or like strange or scary. Like I have enough data like to to support the argument of like, just keep following your gut, you know? And it'll be one thing at a time. But that's why I'm just glad that your blog post brought us here, that your your intermittent fasting and you jump roping on your Instagram bonded us and like we're like, let's work out together. And that's yielded a really great group of people that we get to yes. kick it with and push each other. Ninji and I started a cult. <laughs> no, you really did. I just followed along. I was like, I want to jump rope with you. <laughs> I want to jump rope too if these fires would stop. Oh my God. It's yeah. We've gone through a year. Let's just all take a second and just realize like it's not been an easy time for anybody to do anything. It never was. But also this year has been exceptionally like what the hell? Like the one night I was trying to sleep early, we got an earthquake. I was like, great. Thanks. My friend sent me this meme that keeps resonating, which is like, it's funny, but not funny, where it's like, everyone should strive to be like 2020. Always outdo yourself. I'm like, <laughs> yes, but no. <laughs> yes, but no. Stop it, 2020. I'm, I'm done with you. Yes. You're the best. <laughs> That's it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Stop. Stop right now. Like, uh, it's, it's like, yes and no. Stop. <laughs> I, love, I love and hate all of it. But I, I love you very much, Melly. Do you have any like closing thoughts for everyone who's in their reflective learning to like themselves place? Oh, that's a hard thing to talk about. <laughs> ah. Summarize all I your thoughts and feelings in 30 seconds. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the pressure. <laughs> thank you for the pressure. Uh, God damn it. Why'd you do that? Because <laughs> I'm here to help you challenge yourself and grow. But I say with all the love, because uh, I think you're very I think, wise. Uh, I, I think if, if anything, um, uh, people should just be uh, people should just be kind to themselves and be mm. kind to others because everyone's fighting their own hard battle. Very true. Oh, so true. Yes. I, I second that. I have nothing else to add to that. Be kind. Yeah. Easier I said like than done. It is. I like kindness. I, that's a trait that I, I've, I've appreciated more and more and more and more in the last, I'd say last three or four years. I really value that in other people. People are kind. Yeah. And we will be kind to ourselves. Yep. Be kind to yourself. And love yourself. Yeah. Like, I think it's also, you know, the analytic side coming out again. Uh-huh. There's a difference between being kind and being nice. Ooh, what is that? Ooh, can you? Yeah, let's close out. What's I, the difference between kind and nice? I think I think nice is way too broad, and it's more of just kind of like a people pleaser kind of thing. Ooh. Where you're just pleasing everyone, you're just being nice to everything. Like, oh, do that because be a nice person. 
But if you're being for I I I look at being kind as having intention. I like that. Like seeing a bigger scope of things. Like you're being kind because you should be because you should be kind <laughs> and that you want to be kind. Yeah. So you should want to be kind to yourself. Like, I know you hate the word should, but yeah, I do. But but I I think there are times where it can be appropriate, and I think if what again make it practical. Being kind, I think it yield, it brings results. Like me being like the super type A. If you want things to to move in a direction that you like, I think kindness goes a long way. Again, it's it's being nice with intention. It's on purpose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, not to just like avoid conflict or to be a people pleaser. Kindness is a yeah. very intentional action of 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 niceness. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm glad we've delineated kindness versus niceness. And <laughs> I, I hope that everybody continues to like put that one percent difference. Like I'm really working on the, like my closing thought is like one percent a day. Even if it's a half percent a day, it's fine. Just like we're going to do big things by persistent small actions. It'll it'll add up. Compound interest. Compound interest. <laughs> go Google that. Go learn it. And also I'm getting schooled on finances by Melly's boyfriend. So I'm like <laughs> learning all sorts of things. It's really great. Melly, where can people follow you? Your thoughts, your work? Uh, you want to check out my work? I'm I'm online at MellyLee.com. If you want to see me jabber about random thoughts, uh, there's not a starvingartist.com. And I'm on Instagram at, at MellyLee with a stupid underscore at the end. Yeah, why do you have the underscore? Someone took your – they took it's your cause handle? Because I used to be on Twitter. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> and, okay, then, right. and then the fact that I guess like you, 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 if you made your Instagram and your Twitter the same the same handle, then like they would forward to each other and then that stopped being a thing and I got stuck with an, an underscore. Got it. Consistency, guys. You're going to learn all the tricks <laughs> of the trade, but – Things, times change and platforms change. But anyway, Melly, I freaking love you. And thank you for being a wonderful guest and human being. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. And we'll we'll regroup in six months and see how we are on doing on this, this self-love journey. No, no. I, I, I remember this. You and I are talking again about pretty girl problems. No, yeah, please. Okay. We said it here. It's on air. It's recorded. We got to talk about pretty girl problems for sure. We might invite another voice or two. No, but we'll, we'll, we'll start the conversation that that definitely deserves more than just an hour. Loaded topic. We'll just have an open seat. Who also has like pretty slash anti pretty girl problems. Everyone's going to raise their hand. You know that, right? Like everyone be like me and whoever doesn't put those hand narcissist. That's really judgmental. No, but we can joke. It's fine. Take it with a grain of salt. Um, I love you. Thank you, everyone listening. And uh, I'll talk to you. I'm going to talk to you in like an hour, really, because we always talk. But thank you. Thank you for having me, Angie. Yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in for this week's episode of Learning to Like Myself with Melly Lee. Thank you, Melly, for being an amazing, wonderful soul and artist and friend and guest for this week's conversation. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you liked it, please subscribe, leave a five-star review because I appreciate the support. Hopefully we can help get these conversations out into the world more. And please go check out Melly's work at MellyLee.com and go to her blog, notastarvingartist.com. You can follow her on Instagram. All of it will be linked. Um, and you can find that on my Instagram at first of all pod. My personal page is at Minjeezy. 
and together we can share more of these stories. Nelly is such a... You guys don't remember, she was a guest in a previous episode about being introverted. That one was so great. So if you want, you know, a shout out to all my introverts out there. I freaking love you. And I want more introverts to speak up because introverts have such brilliant minds and so many amazing stories that they don't share as much as us loudmouth extroverts do. So please, you know, support and show all the love. But anyways, uh, thank you all so much. This is a really great conversation and we have more coming your way on First of All. You can find First of All Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio Public, Spotify, and everywhere else you find podcasts. Thank you and I love you to Marvin UA, my audio engineer and producer. Thank you, Marv, for holding it down and thank you to Uzuhan for use of his song Uzu Trap for the intro and outro I'm a very proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective which is a collective of Asian American podcasters and storytellers and shout out to my Patreon family thank you so much for helping me keep the Wi-Fi and the microphone on I love you guys so much and um, excited to have more Google Hangouts. We do Google Hangouts and, and share our life stories and support one another. If you'd like to come support, go to go to patreon.com slash first of all podcast. And uh, shout out to Wells Chen, who's the newest Patreon member and subscriber to First of All. I really appreciate you, Wells. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. And yeah, I believe that's it for the outro. I hope you guys have a, an amazing week. Stay focused. Fight the good fight. Take care of yourselves. I love you. Bye. Keep a yapping off like that. Keep a yapping all that jazz. A man can only take so much when you keep on stopping jumping on his back. I'm not a ninja. Hey, I don't do kung fu. But if you're pushing me over the edge, my CD's Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. We're the host of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Every month we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a wide variety of genres from contemporary to historical fiction, fantasy to memoirs, and crime thrillers to romance. Some of our past book club picks are Pachinko by Minjin Lee, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, and Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino. We also go over what's new in the Asian American literary world and chat with some talented Asian authors about their work. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.